Oh, for I have sent my angels to sing among you, to praise among you, to worship among you. From my throne room I have dispatched a band of them, and they have joined with your voices to lift me high, to sing my praises, and to worship me. Don't be afraid of them. They are here to worship along with you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, first two songs that Audrey led, Shout to the Lord and Dwelling Places, are both Hillsong songs. Way back when, when they were small and Darlene Check was their primary worship leader and she's told this testimony thousands of times, literally, that the walls were caving in upon them as a family. They had a business and it wasn't doing well at all and they got a tax bill that was devastating to them. They had no means to pay it, no funds at all to, to work with this and they had two little baby children and she said, I went to the piano that my mom bought me when I was five years old. And she sat down and she said, I turned my Bible to Psalm 96. And she said, I turned it to Psalm 97 and 98, 99 and 100, and all of them said, shout to the Lord. Let his majesty be known in the earth and in the heavens. And she said within 20 minutes, she never wrote it down, she never put it on paper, she sang it to the Lord. And then she went to church and she sang it for an offertory and she said people stood during the offering and were weeping and praising the Lord shout to the Lord even when things are desperately dark before you shout to him and he will make a way amen well I really appreciated that uh, Audrey had everyone come forward because we're sort of spread out this week and it creates such an intimacy to have us close together to hear each other's voices. 
but when mom gave that word about the angels, I opened my eyes and looked around and thought, I wonder where they're standing. Uh, maybe they filled up all the empty space in the back when we came forward, or maybe they were shoulder to shoulder with us. Uh, but what an amazing word. What an amazing experience to know that he fills in these spaces with worshipers to join with us and to, to harmonize. I'm sure it was beautiful. I'm sure they covered the, the, the weaknesses in our own voices with uh, their majesty as well to sing to our Savior. I, I listened to a, <clears throat> a song this week, uh, Waymaker, and it was a Jesus image version, and I think they go on for 20 minutes singing it. And at the end, the lady says, we, we don't uh, repeat ourselves because we don't know what to say <clears throat> or what else to do, although sometimes that happens. But she said, it can take that much time for us to believe what we're singing. And I think the lyrics are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, that is who you are. And they sang it again and again and again. And she said, uh, in... In heaven, the Bible says that everybody sings holy, holy, holy over and over again, over and over again. Nobody grows tired of it. It's the truth. And that we're going to join in that song with the saints one day shoulder to shoulder. And what a glorious time to look forward to. I think Shout to the Lord was my dad's favorite song. Uh, he went on and on about it, and, uh, and he preached, he loved to preach about worship songs and worshiping, and was always, I think, uh, towards 2018 or so, he's preaching a lot about a new song, a new song that would come out of this church, and we've actually had several new songs come out of this church, including Behold, I Do a New Thing, which is a beautiful song Mom wrote, and, uh, and we're thankful that the Lord is faithful to us, to this body, large or small, uh, great in numbers or, or, or small in numbers that sometimes he is faithful to us. And he sees us here worshiping and disbands angels to come and join in that worship. Which tells us some things about worship. that He enjoys worship from every group that gathers and worships him. Enough that he sends down angels to join with us, that he's listening and enjoying that fellowship with us and that intimacy with us and amplifying it. I mean, we, we, we pray over the offering that when we give that the Lord would multiply, but when we sing, he multiplies that too. What an honor that is that he sees us and that he amplifies and multiplies our voices to create even a greater worshipful sound to him. What a beautiful, beautiful experience in the Lord. He's so precious to us. I hope you had a good week. I did. I want to also wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day. I'm gonna to talk to you just for a few minutes and then we're going to switch up and talk about our fathers, is that okay? Or whatever else comes forward, that's fine. We'll do that in a few minutes. 
I want to say something I've said many times when I stand up here, how humbling it is to stand here and how much I realize my lack of ability and, and education and everything to open the scripture and expound on them like some can. I have to seek the, uh, the, in, the um, comments and the information from commentators to understand some of the difficult passages of scriptures. But even so, I have faith in God. As many who've come before me and who will come after me who don't have formal education, but have faith in God and believe that the Holy Spirit inspired every single word of this book from the beginning to the end, and I do. I believe it's 100% true whether or not I understand every word of it. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that that's what faith is, unconditional belief in who said it. The scripture in Hebrews 11:6 says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God, what must believe that He is." Very simple, isn't it? Believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We have a somewhat limited insight. In, in my opinion, into the relationship of the Father and the Son before Jesus left the Father's presence in heaven and came to earth and how Jesus was in the Father's bosom. We're going to read that in a bit. And such is that. And how they operate as individuals, yet they're one. But something that is unmistakable throughout Scripture is that Jesus loved the Father and the Father loved him. It was an exclusive relationship between them until the Father gives souls to the Son and the Son reveals the Father to them. That's how we know who the Father is and what he's all about. Many times through the book of, or the Gospels and especially in the book of John, at least six or eight times, in the book of John, we read about this exclusivity. Matthew 11:27 says, All things have been delivered to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except through the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and, at, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Again, those who come diligently seeking him, believing that he is. John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time. This is one of those confusing parts of the scripture because we know from many accounts, Abraham, uh, Moses, Job, uh, different ones said, I saw God. Isaiah saw the glory of God fill the room and yet, it may have just been the presence of God that they saw and not he himself. Because John 1.18 says no one has seen God at any time. Only the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. 
he has declared him. John 5, 37, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. John 6, 46, not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, Jesus. He has seen the Father. And John 17, 25 through 26, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these, ha that ha and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Oh, how beautiful. What a perfect relationship the Father and the Son had. The love with which you have loved me, Jesus said, that same love will be in them whom you've given to me, and I will be in them. As I said, there are many things that we don't know and understand, but we can know this. We are loved because the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves us. Amen? Real quickly, a look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus gave us the example to pray to our Father, which art in heaven. And Matthew records Jesus himself speaking every word of chapter 6. All 34 verses were spoken by Jesus. And it's interesting that in those 34 verses, Jesus mentions his Father 12 times. That's nearly three times per verse. I looked it up. Alexa told me. 2.8333 times to be exact. Jesus was teaching on a wide variety of topics in chapter 6, but he taught all of them from the, the perspective of the Father. The proper way of giving alms, how to enter into prayer, how to fast, where our treasure should be laid up, how to be forgiven, the dangers of double-mindedness, the futility of worry and anxiety. And he wrapped it up near the end of chapter 6, saying, For your Father knows that you have need of all these things. Jesus said, After this manner you should pray, Our Father, address him. And don't you thank God that we can call him Father too, by virtue of Jesus' blood shed at Calvary, for we are sons of God. Who art in heaven? He made no mistake about which God he was referring to, nor where he dwelled. The Father in heaven, because there is no other. And Jesus hallowed his Father's name. We also honor and keep that name holy Jesus invited his Father's kingdom to come to earth and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, I pray this often. Oh, Father, bring your kingdom to me, to my heart personally, to my family, to my church, my city and my nation, and your will be done here as it is in heaven. Jesus asked the Father to meet the needs of his life. 
And we are admonished to bring all of our needs to the Lord. Jesus prayed for the Father's protection against falling into temptation. And Jesus gave us the whole armor of God to help us not fall into the evil one's traps. So the content of the prayer is very simple. But the point is that Jesus wanted us to know that it's the Father's power and the Father's glory that effectively operates every aspect of our lives. And this is why Jesus taught us to pray to the Father in this manner. But the door is the Son. The door to the Father is the Son. And if we come through the Son, we have fellowship with the Father. That's all I have for you this morning as far as the word the Lord gave me. But six years ago, I wrote a tribute to my dad, whom we lost two years ago now. It doesn't even seem possible that it's been that long, but it was 2021, August of 2021. I read this six years ago to the church. I wrote it at a time that he was feeling lonely. He spent a lot of time alone because Jim and I both worked full-time jobs. We were, had full-time jobs here, very busy. But we included him in everything that we could include him in that was appropriate for an 88-year-old man to do. Some things weren't, and he graciously declined and let us know he wasn't interested in that. But other things, he was so glad. So I originally wrote this when he was 85, and I revised it last week. He would have been 91 this year. So this says our dad, and I'm sorry my sisters aren't here because uh, they would enjoy hearing it again, I'm sure, but I'll send it to them. Our dad, whom we've always called Daddy, was born James Arland Wilbanks on March 14, 1933, in Norman, Oklahoma. He was the oldest of three with a brother, Ron, seven years younger than him, and a sister, Jeanette, 14 years younger than him. And Bob and Terry are on their trip. They stopped at Jeanette's house uh, two days ago and were able to spend a good day with her. So that was a blessing. His family moved from farm to farm during his growing up years. And they finally settled here in Campbell where he attended high school at Campbell High School and met our mom. He married mama on August the 8th, 1952 in this very church. And until I was born, they lived in a tiny house on a section of 3rd Street that was removed when the city put the loop in through Campbell. Then they built a house next door to Grandma and Grandpa Wilbanks in the San Tomas area, which at the time was all orchards, just nothing but orchards and the creek, which we loved. And that's where Terry was born. We moved to Cambrian Park where we started school and where Jan was born. And then we relocated to the west side of Campbell, where we lived until my sisters and I got married and moved out. 
Daddy worked as a, man, a machinist for food machinery. And he was on the job one day when an ice pick on a conveyor belt got thrown into his side and punctured his lung. He worked as an attendant at our Uncle Tal's Texaco gas station on Santa Mas Aquino Road near where we lived. And then as an operating engineer for many, many years for prominent contractors in the valley. And finally, in the early 70s, he created his own demolition and excavation business, which he called Jaws Grading. James Arland Wilbanks is his initials. Daddy was sought after to do difficult jobs, and he worked very long hours all nights because they shut the roads down at night on Highway 17 when the 1989 earthquake happened and that whole hillside slid off the mountain. He said he prayed many, many prayers while hanging on the side of that mountain on his tractor that the Lord would protect him and hold that tractor up on that mountain. And it, the Lord did keep him safe. And those repairs are still holding today. You can drive that mountain and you can see the work that he did. And it has chicken wire all around that part of the uh, mountain to keep it from sliding again. Our dad's always been a very hard worker. And in the early days, we didn't see very much of him because he worked six days a week, every week. But we always felt his love and his gentleness and looked forward to him being at home or taking us on day trips to the beach or camping at Bass Lake or Lake Copperopolis, that thriving resort, with friends and family. It's not. It's a hole in the mountain and snaky and it's ugly but we thought it was paradise and when he was home which only happened if he got rained out or sick and I can I can count those days from when I was a, you know a young girl at home maybe two days a year that he was home because it rained or he got sick he would always make a huge pot of vegetable beef soup just like he did on Terry's wedding day, so that all the workers could come back to the house and have a good meal. He liked to cook soup. Daddy wasn't the, was not the disciplinarian. He tried, but Mama, mostly only when Mama forced him to, and we used, usually ended up laughing, or as Jan put it, fake crying. When he was home, Daddy was always busy working around the house. He must have liked to please our mom because he allowed her to redo the kitchen in the decor of the day, avocado green appliances, cantaloupe covered walls and flooring, which we all thought was hideous, but she loved it. He remodeled the garage into a large family room, which became the hangout for the whole family gatherings and all of our dates. Somehow, we all ended up in that room. We put the piano in there and had lots of fun around the piano when people would come over. He installed a tetherball pole in the front yard for us to play on. Three little girls, and he puts this great big tetherball thing in the front yard but the whole neighborhood loved it. 
And then he put an in-ground pool, above-ground pool, excuse me, above-ground pool in the backyard for our mom to play in because she was terrified of water, but she wanted a pool. And so he made it just barely four feet deep so she wouldn't feel threatened in the pool. He also planted a beautiful olive tree in the front yard for shade for my mom. He got it off a job and she loved it. He, we always got excited and all the neighbor kids did too. When daddy would come home from work driving a big dump truck because he would let us pull the chain and honk the horn. He might have resented having three daughters and no sons to whom he could pass along all of his skills, but we certainly never knew that or felt that. He was supportive and caring. He taught us each to drive and helped us to get a car by co-signing and helping with the insurance. But we paid for the cars ourselves, and he paid for two weddings in 11 months. Terry's was first and then mine and shuttling us here and there till all hours of the day and night. He said he was glad he had three daughters, but we often wondered. Daddy was blessed with very good health and has always been generous. We've watched him help so many people, both physically and financially throughout the years, relatives, friends, strangers alike, I believe that God gave Daddy the gift of helps, and he used his gifts to serve others when they were in need. I can remember several men who showed up at his job site begging for work, hungry, with a family in the car, and no food or money, and Daddy would hire him for a day or two and ask Mama to cook food that they could eat in their car and uh, take them food when, when she cooked it. One of them had a little baby, and he asked my mom to go get diapers and milk and bring it out to the job site so that they could have it for the baby, and they were so grateful. When Jan was four years old, our mom had trimmed her hair and then told her to get ready to take a bath. And Jan asked if she could run the bath water, and mama said she could, but don't get in the tub. And then the phone rang, and Mama answered the phone. And before she could get off the phone, Jan had turned the bathtub water on, full blast on hot only. And then she climbed up on the shower rod and was swinging on the shower rod, and it collapsed into that bathtub of scalding water. Burn victims get cold very easily and can't trap the body heat in their body. And Jan was freezing, but she, she was three or four years old. She was just a little girl. But she couldn't even stand a sheet to touch her legs because the pain was so great. And Daddy rigged a tent in her bed using my piano bench and stretching a sheet and a blanket across the piano bench and making sure it didn't touch her legs and put a little bitty light in there to warm her up. I'll never forget it. He built Terry a doll cradle, which she still has to this day, and she built, he built Jan a rocking chair, 
which she kept for her kids, her grandkids, and her daycare kids. And she still has it. I don't have any furniture or things that he handmade me that I can recall, but I know that he's restrung my wind chimes half a dozen times, and I love those wind chimes. In 1981, our mother got the idea that our whole family, which totaled about 22 people, should move to Texas because the work was so slow here and things were booming there. So she and a few other of the ladies in our family went ahead on a tour of Texas and settled in the Round Rock area. Just, um, I always forget, was it north or south of Austin? North of Austin, Round Rock? South of Austin? I can't remember. West? Yeah. On a I-35, anyway. And <clears throat> so we all moved there. And I told you that story a week or two ago about how Jim and I moved to help or went to help uh, Jan and Matt with the babies. But anyway, she thought that it would be like the old TV program called Dallas, where all the kids would live, live on one compound. Well, it didn't quite work out that way although we did all live with them for a few weeks only as we were between houses. Our house was that we were purchasing wasn't quite ready yet, and uh, Bob and Terry had just moved to Texas, so we were all together in their little house there in Texas, and it was so much fun. Hard work with all those little babies, but it was fun. Texas was hard and so hot, but the work was plentiful, even though the pay was not. And did I say it was so hot? Jim, Bob, and Matt formed a construction business, and my dad did all the behind-the-scenes work. He was the estimator, the project manager, the bookkeeper, bill collector, gopher, and storyteller, which he did hour upon hour. Whatever was needed to keep things moving, that's what he did. The men worked very early mornings and sometimes would take a short break in the middle of the day because of the heat on top of the roof and then go back in the evening when it was cooler to finish the job. And many weeks when the money didn't come in, Daddy paid the men out of his own savings. Our mom's health worsened in Texas and they moved back to California after only three years in Texas because she knew that her end was near and she wanted to be in California. They were married 36 years when she passed away in 1989. And we were so thankful when he married such a sweet, beautiful Christian lady named Alta and they were married 25 years before she passed on. He retired early so that they could travel together, and they did keep the roads hot, going everywhere. Alta had a green thumb, and they loved to garden together. Daddy also had a green thumb, so they had a good time keeping all those plants in her yard. He was faithful to church, faithful in attendance, financial support, and physical help, whatever he could do to help. In 1962, 
My mom surprised him with a beautiful red-orange Fender bass guitar, which he played in this church, sitting on that chair right there, as far back as I can remember, before I even started playing the, the piano. He wrote poetry over the years, commemorating various people and events in poetry. As I said, we lost our dad in 2021 at 88 years old. And until a week before his passing, he lived independently. He still played his bass guitar every Sunday, though he said because he couldn't hear, <laughs> he couldn't keep up with the beat of the music very well. And he was right, bless his heart. But he still helped others in any way he could, whether it was diagnosing a sick plant <laughs> or giving a talk about the good old days at the kids' school, which he loved. He was also active in the Campbell Community Center's senior water exercise program in the pool and went on their bus trips, went out to breakfast with his dear friend and lunch with his friends and ate dinner with Jim and me every night until Jim passed. And then he preferred to eat in his own house so he could watch his own shows. <laughs> we were blessed to have him as our father grandfather, great-grandfather, and we miss him terribly. And my sisters and I reminisce about him all the time. And it's always with laughter. I'll tell you one quick story. This just happened, I don't know, maybe seven years ago, six years ago, something like that. We were having an event in my house and uh, our, the apartment we have is in the back, and that's where he lived. And he came into the patio, the sliding door into the house, and he had on solid white track pants with lime green stripes up the sides, a solid white track jacket that matched with the green lime green stripes and a t-shirt and he had the pants were too long so he had the t-shirt tucked in and the pants were <laughs> up under his armpits almost and the three of us girls looked at him and just went oh daddy <laughs> but he was comfortable and that was fine so that's my tribute to my dad we miss him and we loved him so who wants to go next so we were a family of six, and um, so there's three girls and three boys, and my dad was such a loving man, and you felt the overjoyness that he had with the girls, mostly. <laughs> I'm sure he liked the boys, too, but um, he was partial to girls, and um, he was just kind and loving, and you could feel the joy and the love from him. It just exuded, and... And it overexuded to Audrey because he was, you know, the grand, grand, yeah, a father. And um, I think it, right, is it? Yeah, <laughs> That's sure. how you felt. Sure. Yeah. And um, we had a lot of adventures. And um, as I was growing up, I, um, I saw all the fields, you know, the prune, the prune trees and the apricot trees and the, and the abundance in the flora and abundance of, of this area. And I just loved, you know, loved every every bit of it. But we also worked. Um, so um, we worked all summer, and 
picking prunes and cutting apricots and going up to the um, east foothills and cutting grapes. You'd use a knife and you'd cut the grapes off of the stems. And um, it would be a pile of us. Um, my eldest brother took us up there, up to the, the fields to work. And um, my mother would pack um, tortilla um, burritos, egg burritos, and we would we would eat them on the way over to to the fields, and um, and that was great memories. I, I remember working hard and and being fruitful. And so at the end of the summer, we would go to the county fair, Santa Clara County Fair, every every um, every. Whenever, whenever it came, whenever the fair was open. And um, so we would, you know, go to the fair and, um, and just have a blast, just have a blast after working all those, those months. And um, see, oh, so my dad was a carpenter. His name was Bernabe or Bernabe, Amadeo, Segura or Segura. And um, so I was just reading in Matthew, it, shot, it, said, it said Amadeus, which is, means love, right? And, and so um, I thought that was interesting, me reading that today <laughs> to myself. And um, anyway, so my, my, my parents loved us a lot and um, took care of us. And there was no swearing in our house. And after we ate dinner, uh, we always said, uh, "May we be, may be, may I be excused?" Everyone of us had to say. I don't think we had to say it, but somehow that just came a tradition. Mm -hmm. When we were done, "May I be excused?" and then they'd always say yes. <laughs> we could leave the dinner table, and um, and so our house was very full. We had a lot. I had 26, like 22 cousins, or at least you know around that age, around. And um, so our house was the party house or the gathering house, and people would come, and we had a large um, property. And um, so we would run around, just cousin after cousin, running around our house and in the yard, and we played ba baseball in the streets. And so it was a great childhood, um, and I'm grateful for my father. Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. Anyone else? Claire. Um, you need the microphone. Okay. Uh, my dad is right there. Um, and um, I'm really, really lucky to have him. Um, I know that it's really important what um, your father does in your life um, because that helps shape you into who you are. And I'm really, really lucky to have him as my dad because I know that without him, I could be a completely different person um, in more ways than one. Um, and I just have so many memories of him taking care of me and being protective over me and loving me no matter what I did and just treating me like I was so special and so important to him. And... Um, he just means so much to me in my life, and yeah, I'm really, really, really lucky to have him. I mean, I have so many memories right now 
of him. I mean, he's right there, so I don't know if I really um, need to share any of them. But, yeah, I just really, really love my dad, and I'm so lucky to have such an amazing dad. So, yeah. Beautiful. Anyone else? Well, as I'm listening to all these beautiful stories, some of them about men I know, like my grandpa and Audrey's grandfather. Um, I'm thinking of my own memories of these men. Uh, when I met Audrey, her grandpa was already in a wheelchair. Um, he had super nuclear palsy, right? And and so it was already taking an effect on him, but he always had a smile on his face, and he seemed like such a warm and happy man. And I felt, and I tried to connect with him at times when Audrey and I got closer, and it was difficult, and I felt regret, you know, because it was his home. And you know, you know, you just feel a sense of obligation to respect the, the man of the house, you know, and it was his house that, you know, he worked on and he built and, and improved. And so I regretted not being able to, to be there early enough to connect with him that way. Uh, my, my grandpa, uh, mom was sharing stories about him in tracksuits. He loved tracksuits. He, he had, when he met Alta, he bought um, silk tracksuits. And they were snazzy. I mean, I remember a red and black one he wore. Um, and I thought he was a little bit rebellious because he had a tattoo that said Jaws. Or was it just his initials? Jaws on his arm. He might have done it himself. In the National Guard. And um, so I thought, he's, Grandpa's a little edgy because he has that tattoo. Of course, then Brother Watson had really cool Navy tattoos with the anchor and all that. And I thought that was, he wouldn't show them. He kept them covered. But I remember seeing him at one time, uh, thought, wow, that's really cool too. Uh, you know, I mean, anyone can get a tattoo, but if you've got a cool Navy, you know, anchor or something like that, that's neat. Um, Grandpa uh, gave me um, a tracksuit not, not, not long ago. And said, that, you know, I don't think this will fit me. And he wasn't going to bother returning them. And I, t I said, thanks, and took them home. Those pants are snug on me. I mean, i got to wear them on a good day. So I thought, I, the idea, Grandpa was way bigger than me. I mean, he was, like, taller and bigger all around. I thought I'd, him trying those on must have been something. I doubt he got them over his feet. Um, because he was, he was taller and bigger than me. Uh, Mom gave, oh, I just wanted to mention one other thing. Evan asked, when, you know, all this stuff about Father's Day, when is Kids Day? And Audrey wisely said, every other day. Um, but part of Father's Day is being proud of your kids, having kids, and then proud of them because it's such a blessed role to be in. Um, we honor our mothers on Mother's Day and our fathers on Father's Day, but it's an honor to be a mother and to be a father. Um, now, Mom went through this whole long background about her dad, about Grandpa, and I didn't do that for Dad. 
one thing I wrote in a little, I wasn't going to write anything, but then once you kind of jot down notes, it goes quickly and easily. And I could do this a million different ways for dad. I could do, you know, beginning to end and, you know, I, she mentioned, uh, mom mentioned memories of, uh, her dad coming home from work and I remember in Texas dad came home from work late often and it was dark he wore jeans and like these um Hanes cotton or some kind of a colored cotton t-shirt you know and he he'd he'd be wiped out needing a shower big time so it's you know we couldn't it wasn't wise to get all over him the moment he came home because he'd be covered in sweat and and dirt and all whatever not dirt but he was doing roofing and framing so sawdust or you know whatever else his hands were tough from that kind of work and um, I think he came home exhausted wanting to clean up and just relax uh, <clears throat> but he worked hard and he worked late he came from Kentucky and he was born in 1952 and I think he came to California when he was about 11, 12. Um, I came to t from Texas to California when I was about 10 or so. So it was, he was maybe just a little older. Uh, so he's uh, officially a hillbilly. Uh, Evan, I, it was a Claire asked me, was Grandpa a hillbilly? And I said, well, he came from the hills of Kentucky. So yes, he was, because uh, she had told a friend at school that her grandpa was a hillbilly, and he asked, did he have a banjo? No, he didn't have a banjo. Now, great-grandpa Wilbanks might have had a banjo. He was a musician, but not dad. He didn't play a banjo, didn't have a banjo. He did have guitar when he was young that he unfortunately sold. I'd uh, love to have that around today. But um, he, he, he came to California um, when he was around 11 or 12, went to Alameda, I think it was. His parents worked in the East Bay and... Um, that's as far as I'll go into the background because I didn't write anything more down. I can do that another time. It's exciting that I could do this so many different ways uh, and, and, and not repeat myself. I'll go straight to what I did write down. He, liked, he said a lot of corny slogans. He had things that he would say that were mostly gathered from TV and commercials. Um, I didn't know that until I kind of would hear later and go, that's a that's from a commercial or something or a TV show. He'd say, you got it, Toyota. He'd like to say that a lot. Um, some of these slogans, and I remember him saying those things. If you asked him a question and it was correct, he'd say, you got it, Toyota. Uh, and um, that's from 1979. And I heard that one a lot. So he kept these things around. Uh, he'd say sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. That's from 1980, so he kept that one around. I'd hear occasionally he'd say move them on, head them up, rawhide, and that was from the 60s. And then uh, you got the right one, baby, uh-huh. He liked the Ray Charles, that was from Pepsi in the early 90s. And I'm sure Mom and Doug could think of other ones that, that you'd hear him say. He loved Carmen, the Christian singer. He took us to see him in a concert one time. He loved Carmen. Uh, played uh, records of Carmen back in the 80s in Texas. He had a record. He had the, uh, what was it, Herb Alpert, the Tijuana Brass. Is that what they were called? And they da dun da 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 dun 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 I remember that song's tequila. And he played, he played that. Before Rush Limbaugh, he listened to Paul Harvey. 
And I rode with him a lot in the truck, because if you rode with him in Texas, and even here in California, until well, really any time, he always had a truck, because he, he was a construction worker. So if you rode with him, you rode in the truck. If you rode with mom, you rode in the station wagon or whatever car we had, typically. Um, and we'd go to, from job to, in the summer, sometimes he'd take us to jobs. And there wasn't a lot of talking in the truck, because there was Paul Harvey or later Rush Limbaugh. And... Uh, that's where Rush Limbaugh's the first time I learned about Slick Willie. Uh, I think he was the mayor of uh, San Francisco at the time. Uh, anyway, uh, and that was his name for Bill Clinton too, right? So um, as I got older and a little more rickety in the body, now I can really appreciate the amount of effort and work that he would uh, th throw himself into for others and how strong he was. I once had him help me carry a treadmill that weighed several hundred pounds up the stairs of a condo that Audrey and I had in Sunnyvale. He had the bottom end of that coming up those stairs and I had the top end. And so he had to have been in his late 50s, if not, mm, yeah, probably his late 50s. And I'm 43. I wouldn't be able to do that right now. Um, one time he helped, this was when he was remodeling our house. He completely remodeled our house in two separate phases and spent years at our house working on it. Um, uh, I think he came and visited with the kids too as much as he could, so it was like a, a double benefit. Um, but we spent an afternoon vacuuming insulation out of my attic he bought this or rented this giant vacuum that sat on the ground and this hose was like this big around, but the insulation was mixed with gravel from our tar and gravel roof. And we were vacuuming up gravel and insulation that you'd hear the gravel hit that fan, not probably good for it. And then that hose would start to weigh 30, 40, 50 pounds and you'd shake that gravel down the hose into that vacuum. And at the end of it, I laid down on my back on my lawn and just didn't want to get up. And he continued to work. Um, he had an incredible level of energy for work and a work ethic. Um, one time he came all the way up to the KOA with mom in Santa Cruz. And he pulled his travel trailer up there, set it all up, hooked up all the electric, the sewer, everything. And they drove home so that Audrey and I could stay there with the kids for like a few nights, which after which he then drove back up with mom, drained all the sewer and everything, did all that, cleaned it up, hooked it up, and drove it back home again. We'll never forget that. It's, it's the only time we stayed in a trailer on our own, and we did nothing to set it up or take it down. Um, he used to work all night long the night before we'd go to Lake Shasta. He would, there were times he, I don't know if he went to bed or maybe he washed up. Now, part of this was procrastination. He would work on his own jobs up till the very last second and then had so much to do at home to get ready for Shasta that he would literally have to work all night long. We'd wake up in the morning, do a few things to help, and he would drive us all to Shasta. But he, with no sleep, he put the needs of others first. Uh, but like a lot of us, he would procrastinate when it came to his own tasks and jobs. But he kind of owned up to it. I mean, he knew 
what was coming, and he would take it as a challenge. I can do it, and he would do it. And uh, he knew he was making things harder for himself, but he wasn't afraid of the extra work, and he would tackle it head on. But the links that he would go to to preserve his collection of random tools and materials, we discovered when we had to kind of sort through all that stuff and let some of that stuff go. He would rather build a fortress to cover his things than to throw something away. I also have uh, fond memories of seeing him studying for Bible classes and sermons over the years. He spent a lot of time at a desk studying the Word and praying and preparing for Bible studies or messages. And he had a list of people, families and friends, congregants and work colleagues that he would pray for. We saw that list and kind of marveled at it when he passed and looked over the names that had been crossed out of people who had passed away and gone to glory and the new names that were added with, with uh, pen and pencil. It, it took me years to get to where I could go back and listen to his sermons. But I now, in, with my you know, back kind of hurt as it is, I, I don't go do the crazy workout I was doing with Audrey before. She does that alone now. And I walk through the neighborhood every morning about three miles a day for an hour. And I listen to either worship music, uh, the Bible, or sermons. And so I've enjoyed listening to his sermons. It, you know, I go, I go back a ways, not when, so, when he was so sick necessarily, but the ones earlier than that. And I consider the legacy that he has left us with these recordings of wonderful sermons and mom's building her own legacy of recordings um, that we can go to and listen to. And, uh, you know, even the, not only the sermons that he left, but the work that he did here in this church, him, you know, remodeling the ladies' bathroom and building this kitchen here with Bob and um, the, the effort of others. And then the houses that we live in, his family now live in houses that he built and improved. And those are living legacies. Every day we understand the, the blood, the blood, sweat, tears, and prayer that went into building those houses and improving those houses. And we get to enjoy those every single day, rather than going to see, you know, something at a, at a, at a, you know, a cemetery, you know, we get to live in the things that he built for us and enjoy the skills that he, he, he used for our benefit. He told a lot of stories in these uh, sermons that uh, are a joy to listen to and recall. I, I uh, just remembered one. I, I would love to have gone back and found it and played it for you because it would be more fun to hear it in his voice, but he he was sharing a story about him driving with his dad, and they were listening to, I think, some singing, preachers or something like that, or a, or a, and he, and he told, he, his father said, we should do that, and uh, he was astounded that his dad was suggesting that he and his dad and he should go around preaching and singing. And he's like, but we can't sing, you know. And he said, we could do that. We could, you could preach, and we could preach. And because uh, Grandpa got kind of a when after Grand, Grandma passed, he 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 had decided he was going to be a preacher. I think to some extent. I don't know that he ever preached anything, but um, he had a lot of ambition, you know, late in his life. And but he told Dad that that they should go travel around singing and preaching. Um, it's in the sermon. It's it's it, he. Um, he preached a lot, as I said earlier, on worship and worship songs. 
especially in 2016 or so through 2018 and before that. A lot of his sermons revolved around the importance of worship and the songs that, that were a blessing to him at the time that he wanted to share with us. He preached that, as I said, he believed a new song or songs would come out of this church. He, he, he preached on the legacy or the destiny of Calvary Temple as a house of healing, as had been prophesied and mentioned again and again. And he attended in his sermons to the needs of the congregation for healing, for comfort, and for provision. And he, I remember, and you may remember, always visited the sick and prayed for them in their sickbed. And that was a part of the pastorship, whether he was the lead pastor or not, that he took very, very seriously. If he knew someone, if he knew of someone that was ill and didn't have someone ministering to them, he would be there in the hospital room ministering to them. A recent sermon that I listened to, he told the story of when I was a kid in Round Rock in the public pool. And I was maybe two feet from the wall of the pool, and a man was standing right next to me. I was in the shallow end, but I was having trouble keeping my head above water. And he was troubled about that. And I don't know how much he did ahead of time to, you know, alternative options. He jumped in the pool, and this was in the evening. He was fully clothed, might have had his pager on him still, I'm not sure, but wallet and keys just jumped in the pool to get me out. And in the sermon, he mentioned that my mom said, what, what were you doing? You, there's other ways to have done that, but he didn't care. He, he wanted the quickest uh, way to keep, keep me safe. And so he jumped directly in the pool, fully clothed, in the, in the shallow end. So when he jumped in, he was probably just to here. Um, and he rescued me. In another sermon, not that long ago, he admitted that he thought that he still owed Doug and I a minibike. And he had, you know, Doug was probably not living here at the time, and so he figured he's probably off the hook because we have no need or use for a mini bike anyway. But he said it was still on his mind that he had somewhere along the line made a promise of a mini bike and not come through. So, um, but I love the experience and the wisdom of God that can still speak to us. And one word I would say that would describe dad is selfless. And in my experience, I cannot recall what he wouldn't do for me or the family if I asked him. I mean, can't recall him saying no. And I miss him. I know we all miss him. But I so much appreciate the legacy of selflessness that he has left us in all that he attended to, and all that he built, and all that he worked on, and all that he did here. And it is an inspiration to me every day. I wonder what could I do to leave a similar legacy. And I'm not sure, but I figure loving God and loving my family would get close. Um, but we're thankful for the legacy that he left us. And I love you, Dad. Miss you very much. If there is no more, and if you'd like to say something, and you hadn't thought of it before, you're welcome to. So, I, don't, I don't have a lot to say, but I just feel guilty if I don't say anything. So I'm going to just share that um, when my grandpa 
would come home from work. He would drive up in his green Ford um, truck, like a really old classic truck. And um, there was a little hill on our driveway, so we would wait by the door and we hear him coming and we'd, he'd stop at the end of the driveway so that we could all hop on the tailgate and then he could drive up the little hill on the driveway. And um, so he always knew we were coming, so he'd wait for us and then we'd go and hop on and then and then he'd uh you know be he's a carpenter so he'd be working with his hands all day so i'd follow him to the sink and he washed his hands and i just thought it was so awesome when the black like water would come off his hands <laughs> and i just stare at the drips of black like you know off his hands I, that was like for some reason fascinating and then um so grandpa was always loving. He'd skip, you know, when he'd get out of the car, he'd um, truck, he would skip and then he'd click his heels together and he'd always whistle and sing. Um, and he'd call me his sunshine and he'd sing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Oh, don't you know, dear, how much I love you. Oh, don't take my sunshine away. And he'd sing and he'd, yeah, so grandpa was like my first you know inspiration my first uh you know father figure and um and i'd have to give honor to my stepdad who also um worked really really hard work ethic like crazy oh can i go back to grandpa he had a skill saw in the garage and so every night late at night whatever time of day he needs to get something done he was using that skill saw and so i could go in the in the uh, garage which was basically his work area and the smell of like that freshly cut wood was so fragrant and like just and so when we were doing work at our house I'd smell the freshly cut wood I'm like the grandpa <laughs> it smelled like whatever pine um so that was grandpa's fragrance I guess um, but yeah, so my stepdad, he, um, he, he worked hard as well. He was a hard worker and he took care of us and, um, and he had insurance and we got to get our needs taken care of. So I want to honor him in that way. And, um, and he did care about us. He just had a temper and, you know, got out of control. But, um, I do thank him for the loving things that he did for us. And then I also want to say thank you to um, my dad as well, who, um, I would be here if it weren't for him. So, so yeah. And he had a love and passion for music as well. And so I'm sure that some of that ended up in me. And um, I just thank uh, the Lord for putting, designing people and, you know, protecting people. And like Frida said, I felt like God was always the father to the fatherless. So when I was eight, my mom and dad uh, divorced and um, I, I never missed him. I just, I, I, it was like he never existed. I literally didn't have like a tear or a worry or a concern. I just felt like I was just being taken care of. And so um, I felt like God was watching out for me all those years. I felt like a special protection. And um, and I know that's from the Lord. And then when I came here in 19, 
97 and started um, experiencing the presence of God for the first time, it was amazing to know that he could be tangibly, you can experience him. That was so impressive. And then through the years, I felt relationship with the Lord. And he just guided me like spiritually, like just told me, you know, what to do just like a father would. He literally would say, you know, park over here. Oh, you know, don't, you know, do this or do that. And I got complete micromanaging instructions from the Lord by the Holy Spirit's power. So I think that was a miracle amazing that God would be willing to teach me himself because I didn't have that specific instruction from um, from somebody of you know else um, but I also want to give um, honor to Don in two ways well obviously he is the father to my children and he does amazing job with Claire and Evan he guides them he directs them he disciplines them he loves them he plays with them just everything that a dad probably should do he does and so um what i mean by should is that i i think that's what a dad should do because i don't know from experience but <laughs> seems all about right and um but i also want to say that when i when don and i met um, we were teenagers senior year of high school and then um it was like at the tail end of the senior year may that we started dating and um being exclusive and so um one of the things that i didn't know that i was missing was a father figure that i could go to when you know there was a tough some situation and so I think Don has been that that father figure for me in a, all these years I've been able to say this is going on at work and I don't know what to do and he's been that person that I could go to and that that refuge you know and and really say what's that advice you can give me how could I go about doing this because I don't I don't have the skill or you know to do it a different way and I'd like to know how to do it and, and he always had great counsel and so obviously he has very good wise counsel. So thank you, Don, for being a father figure and an actual father. <laughs> Appreciate you so much. Right. So my dad is right there, and I know he loves me, uh, whatever he does, and I always want him to be happy. And he used he always sings the most ridiculous, annoying made up songs when he wants to wake us up when we're get when we're getting ready for school um and but i know he enjoys them and i think he has experience from grandpa doing the same thing um i think we talked about that like this morning right um He's always, like, I feel like he's my strength when I'm near him. And he'll, he just, I love that he just takes care of me. He'll, he'll, I know he loves me. And, um, oh, one time we were at a football game. Um, we, my dad and me were standing up watching. And I was wearing sandals. And my dad said, looked down, Evan, and right by my feet was a snake, like a small snake, and yeah, so, yeah, so he's always watching out for me, he's always, um, I like to learn from him, he always is ready to teach me, 
and I love him. That snake was 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 thrilling, uh, and Audrey stomped on it and dispatched it very quickly. Um, I would like to say uh, Audrey was describing her grandpa's uh, green truck and skill saw, and uh, we had some green trucks I think in there too. I think there might have been a green Doug. Was there a green international truck? Yeah, I, I didn't want Dad to really drop me off at school in that thing. I think we called it the Green Monster. I would love to have that truck today. That is a solid classic that, uh, you know, it was a classic then, but classics weren't appreciated quite as much back then. But, man, that would be a, good, a cool truck to have today. Um, they're, all of them would be a cool truck to have today. And as far as skill saws go, he really only worked with a couple tools. He used, you know, nail guns, hammer, and a skill saw. He had other tools, very neglected and very abused, but the few new tools he had included a skill saw. All the other skill saws had cut cords because he moved so fast, and I watched him cut, bending over with the skill saw through beams, through wood, through plywood. The plywood should go on a table saw to cut it straight. He was, he was a master with the skill saw. He didn't need a table saw. It took too long. Skill saw. But he had shoes that had nicks in them on the tips from that skill saw and cuts through all the cords. No cords survived those skill saws. Uh, so you got to have skill to use a skill saw, I suppose. But last thing I would just say, in honor of my dad, um, I mean, we need more fathers in here, I think. And... We do want to honor, in a general sense, fathers here, you know, fathers who come and bring their kids to church. And uh, I think, I was just thinking about that, what a testament to my dad that we're here. And there are other men that have come through this church that are in, in church today, not just here. And we want to honor fathers bringing their families to church, introducing their families to Christ, and mothers too, of course. Um, any which way you come to know the Heavenly Father through the effort of a human and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing. But what an honor to, to, to be here today with family, with fathers, the fathers that are here. And we, there are some here that aren't with us. And there are many that have gone on. And it's good to honor them, which we've done here today. There, there are many we didn't mention, but there have been many fathers in this church who have blessed some of us and those that have gone before us and those that aren't here today, but we want to honor all the fathers that have blessed this house with their preaching, with their teaching, with their hard work and effort. And we pray to see more fathers come in this house, bringing families with them and leading their families spiritually as, as we're to do, as the Bible says we're to do. And uh, if all minds are clear, we'll, we'll close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you all honor, glory, and praise today. Even as a father, we know we draw our direction, our wisdom, our guidance, and our strength from you. And we're so thankful that as we're called to lead our families, we have to look to you to know what to do day in and day out, and that you will not lead us astray. The Bible says to acknowledge you in all our ways, and you will direct our paths. 
And so we look to acknowledge you in everything we do, big and small, because we want to follow in your path and not walk astray. And as leader of a family, not lead our families astray. So thank you for your faithfulness to your word and for your promise to direct our paths as we call on you and look to you. We ask that you bless each and every one here today. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your provision. And we thank you that you've blessed us here today with your presence with the singing of angels, uh, joining with our voices and honoring you, our Heavenly Father. And we pray that you go with each one this week. Bless us and keep us until we come back again together as a family, as your bride, as your children. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, like all of us, it takes, year, it takes years for some to settle into the role that they ought to have taken in, an earlier, in earlier years. But, you know, we've all been astray at one point. We're thankful when the Lord brings us in at a young age. Um, and we're thankful for the fathers who have given us um, direction, whatever they could, however they could. And to confirm, you know, what, what Audrey said about, you know, not knowing what a father's supposed to do sometimes and whether Don's doing what a father's supposed to do. I'm just going to do what I learned from my father. And that included singing annoying songs. He loved to sing loud and make up whatever he wanted to say. And uh, so they asked me on the way to church today because I was singing loudly on the way to church. One of the songs, Great and Mighty is the Lord Our God, is the one I was singing loudly uh, in church or in, in the minivan on the way here. And they said, did Grandpa do that? And I said, he absolutely did do that. Uh, what did he sing? He sang whatever he wanted. He sang theme songs, he sang commercials, he sang worship songs and church songs and hymns, and he'd make up something just to bother you if he needed to get you out of bed or or kind of liven the mood up in the house a little bit. So in my understanding, that's what a father is supposed to do, and I take it as a duty and do it as often as I can. So not here. I don't want to disturb the angels that have gathered here. Um, but in my minivan and home, that's what we do. We, I sing annoying songs because that's what I was taught. Any other stories? We could go on and on. <laughs> Miss Lunch, okay. Uh, God be with you. Thank you very much.